You are Locked On Chargers, your daily podcast on the Los Angeles Chargers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up and welcome into the Locked On Chargers podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Wade, joined as always by my co-host, David Drogemeyer, and we are two writers who got our start at San Diego Sports Domination covering the Chargers, which we've been doing for over six seasons during our own Facebook Live show, Chargers Domination Live. I also write for the LA Football Network, and we've been covering the Chargers together for the Lockdown Podcast Network as your host, bringing you your team every day. What's up, guys? Well, we have a new addition to the Friday show this week because today we are doing Top 5 Friday, and I think it's perfect time with the draft coming up next week. So on today's show... We're going to be getting into our top five offensive tackles going into the 2021 draft. I think there will be some surprises there. We'll talk about Elijah Vera Tucker and how he fits into that too. We'll also be talking about our top five cornerbacks from this draft class. So a lot to get into there. We'll give you our top five guys for each of the Chargers' two biggest needs heading into the draft. But first, let me just thank everyone who is checking out the show today, especially those who are doing it for the first time. We really appreciate it. And another special thank you to all of our loyal fans as well. If you don't already, make sure to give us a follow or subscribe wherever you get your podcast from. You can find the Locked On Chargers podcast there. So the other thing we're going to be talking about on today's show is an article that sent Chargers fans and Jaguars fans into a little bit of a Twitter storm on Thursday, too, because Bill Barnwell from ESPN ended up coming out with a mock draft, so to speak, for trade scenarios for every pick. And it had the Chargers trading for... Trevor Lawrence. So we'll get into that and a trade scenario for the 13th overall pick too. So let's go ahead and get into it. Bill Barnwell for ESPN.com ended up coming out with an article where where he took every single first round pick and he found a trade scenario for that pick, which isn't easy, especially in this draft class and especially because of some of the capital it takes. But of course, the first thing on this list is the Jacksonville Jaguars trading their pick, which is for Trevor Lawrence. What would that cost? Well, In this situation, it costs Justin Herbert, Derwin James, and the 13th overall pick to get back 1-1, the first overall pick in the draft, and Trevor Lawrence, and a third round pick, the 65th pick overall. So let me give you what he says, too, before we get into it. He says, before you get started, I know there's no way to make a Jaguars trade out of the first overall pick make sense. I asked a few people around the league where Clemson's Trevor Lawrence would stand on a trade value board as he enters the NFL and their sponsors. Responses range from 5 to 15. He's the best quarterback prospect we've seen since Andrew Luck. And the Jaguars are going to have him for at least three years on a rookie deal before they even have to worry about an extension. So the Chargers obviously are kind of in the same boat with Justin Herbert. Obviously, he has proven production, right? And he has at least two more years on his rookie deal before he would start thinking about an extension. And when you look at Deshaun Watson, you look at Patrick Mahomes, that's kind of the way it's been going. After your third season is when you get that big payday. If you're, you know, one of these top quarterbacks. So that is very valuable, obviously. But David, I mean, I think for any Chargers fan, it's going to like, you would have to like, I can't even explain how against this Chargers fans are. I mean, obviously, Trevor Lawrence is, you know, seeming like a once in a generation, once in a decade type of prospect. Seems like we get one about every 10 years. The last one before this was Andrew Luck. He definitely fits that category. But Derwin James and Justin Herbert. And we're pick swapping? (laughs) I mean, that's crazy. 
It's absolutely insane because Justin Herbert obviously went out there and had one of the most historic rookie QB seasons of all time. And Derwin James was an all pro as a rookie. And yeah, he's had a couple of seasons where he's been hurt. But if he's on the football field, he is one of the best defenders in the NFL. And, you know, besides all of that, you also pick swapping after those two dynamic players uh, and you're bargaining that Trevor Lawrence is going to be that once in a generation, that once in a decade type of prospect. I mean, he has all of the ability, right? He has the intangibles. He has the physical attributes and in the college stats to back it up. But you still have to turn that potential into actuality in the NFL. And you have to go out there and prove it over a 17 game season now. And I mean, there's just so much risk in, involved in that. And I think both parties look at this trade and they're like, uh-uh, no effing way. Yeah, and this is one of the rare trades where it's like you would think if one fan base was really mad, the other fan base would be like, yeah, we'll take that, right? And in this case, nobody seems to win in this one. And you can go to trade value charts and things like that, but for the Chargers, if you're trading Justin Herbert and Derwin James, that should get you just the number one overall pick right there. You shouldn't have to give back the 13th overall pick as well, just so you can get a third round pick, 65th overall pick. I mean, that just doesn't make any sense. But because it's Trevor Lawrence at one, I mean, if the Falcons wanted to trade up to number one, it would probably cost them, you know, moving from four to one, their next, what, five first round picks because it's Trevor Lawrence specifically. So, yeah, I mean, if it was just draft picks, it would look crazy. In this case, you're giving away, you know, a guy who has a chance to be your best defensive player and a guy that last year was your best offensive player away to take a chance to take a lottery pick on, you know, a guy where you feel like you have probably the first three numbers in that lottery ticket set in stone right now, but you still don't know what the other two are going to be. So that is going to be a hard pass from Charger fans on this one. But there is another one here for the Chargers because it also has a scenario for them with the 13th overall pick for them to trade out of that, so to speak. But this one actually involves an, a player that they would be getting in return. And what it has is the Chargers getting offensive tackle Orlando Brown and the 27th overall pick in the upcoming draft. And the Ravens would get the 13th pick and the 113th overall pick in the fourth round. So for the Chargers, you're only moving down 14 spots in this scenario, right? It is a pick swap. So you are losing a fourth round pick, but... Say you get, you know, Orlando Brown, now you feel like you have your left tackle. You still have a first-round pick to attack another need, you know. Maybe that gives you a better chance at getting the corner you want at the end of the first round. You still have the 47th overall pick, so you can still find an impact player there. Still only two picks in the top 50, but at the same time, you think that you have your left tackle, you know, the extension, all of those things would still matter as far as what you're giving up to get him. But, David, what did you think about that scenario? So this scenario, Daniel, seems a little bit more realistic and one that I would heavily consider and I would probably pull the trigger on this one because you get Orlando Brown Jr., the left tackle of, of the future signs field delivered, and you got him protecting Justin Herbert for the next you know three or four years at least. And you still have a, a first-round pick, so you can still go get a premium player, maybe a corner, maybe maybe an, a safety if that's you know your next poison. I mean, or a pass rusher, even at that point, if one is there that fits the value, I would actually love this deal. And you don't really mortgage too much. And I think you get some good value on for both teams. I think this is a fair trade and one I would execute. Yeah. And I think, I mean, as far as the extension part of it goes, I mean, yes, you want to get him locked up, but at the same time, 
you kind of want to see what he looks at for another year at left tackle, right? Before you end up making that giant investment. But what this does come with, I mean, maybe you double down, right? Maybe you end up getting a Tevin Jenkins at 27, right? And you have two tackles now. If Orlando Brown Jr. is the guy long-term at left tackle, maybe now Tevin Jenkins is your future at right tackle with Brian Buaga potentially being on the last year of his contract that matters before they can release him with minimal dead salary cap. Or in another scenario, maybe it goes like this. You end up getting, you know, Orlando Brown for your 13th pick. You still have the 27th pick. Maybe Caleb Farley drops to you, right? Or something like that. Maybe you take a Greg Newsom there. And then you get to your 47th overall pick and you can take a safety like a Javon Holland. You could take Joe Tryon from Washington and get an edge rusher. And now you have all three of those guys going into the season without really mortgaging much of your future, right? I think that's a much more interesting decision there because obviously the first one was never going to happen, but there was one other one on the list which involved the Chargers moving up to the fifth overall pick with the Bengals, and it's the Chargers getting the fifth overall pick and the Bengals getting the 13th pick, the 118th overall pick, and a 2022 first-round pick. So essentially in this, the Chargers presumably would be trading up to get Panay Sewell or their top tackle in this draft, and they would have to give up their first-round pick next year Obviously, their first round pick this year because they'd be moving up to five and a fourth round pick. So I think that's probably a realistic asking price. If you're going to move up that much, it's going to cost you a first round pick. So you're just wondering, is Panay Sewell worth two first round picks? I don't necessarily know if I'd pull the trigger. I think that you can still find value at 13, but I don't know if the Chargers have the guys that I value there at the same level I value them, especially with you know, how we're kind of seeing the tackle position and what they think about it playing out right now with length being such a big concern for them with their tackles. So that's interesting, but I do think that's a very realistic offer that would have to come to the Chargers from the Chargers for them to be able to make that happen. So these were really interesting. I mean, I'm glad we didn't have to freak out too much about the first part, and I'm sure Bill Barnwell has gotten enough of that. But, you know, I think that you know, there's definitely... A lot of things that can happen come draft time. I think we've seen Tom Telesco move up before. We haven't seen him, you know, acquire anyone like Orlando Brown before ever. And the other thing I would say is we've never seen him once in any round trade back. So that seems like the least likely option. And that isn't one that we really talked about. But we do have two more segments to get into because it is top five Friday. So in the next segment, we're going to start with offensive tackles. We're going to give you our top five offensive tackles and where Elijah Vera Tucker fits into it, even if the Chargers don't see him that way and some other people don't see him that way. And we'll get into that coming up right after this. But first, I need to tell you guys that this episode is brought to you by 1010, a capsule collection of diamond rings that are responsibly sourced, limited edition designs at a fair price point. 1010 is an exclusive collection of 10 creative styles of diamond rings designed by 10 of the most distinctive designers working today. Rings sure to bring joy into her life. Using only diamonds responsibly sourced from Botswana, 10 female design masters have each produced a uniquely beautiful ring, ideal for engagement, Mother's Day, or a simply beautiful conversation piece. They're the perfect way to bring light into her life. They're available now through Mother's Day only at BlueNile.com. Just search the words 10 by 10 on the website. The collection features high-quality fine jewelry that will surprise and delight and fairly priced, so you can give her something special and truly meaningful. We talked about it in the studio and everyone had a different favorite, but we all just love this one by Aurora Lopez Mejia. It's amazing the way the word love is stamped into the gold. I really like that one. 
If you're on the hunt for the perfect, unique ring she'll treasure forever, you're definitely going to want to check this out, and it won't be around long, so find them now by searching the words 10 by 10 only at BlueNile.com. All right, guys, well, now it's time to get into Top 5 Friday, and today, maybe for the first time ever, we're doing a Top 5 list of different positions in the draft, and of course, today we wanted to do the biggest needs for the Chargers, so we're going to start with offensive tackle, which we think is the biggest need, absolutely, and then in the last segment, we'll be getting into our top five corners in the upcoming class, right? And just because they're top five doesn't mean the Chargers will have a you know chance to get them because, yes, they will have a chance to get a certain amount of these guys at 13, but that doesn't necessarily mean there's value there. So, David, we've watched a ton of tackles, especially ones the Chargers could potentially take in the first or the second round. So who are your five offensive tackles you are highest on going into the 2021 draft? Yeah, so this was a good a good class, I think. A pretty deep class, especially at the top. I think there's so many talented players that are, are going to come in and really help several of these NFL franchises. So number one and number two are pretty uh, obvious. I think everyone else knows it's Panay Sewell, number one, a generational type talent with the size and speed combination, just that violent road grading mentality, and, and just super athletic at, this, the, at the next level. He's a guy who's a can't-miss type of prospect. And then you got Rashawn Slater, number two, an excellent pass protector, a, a really nasty finisher in the run game, also effective, effective at the second level just questions about the arm length I don't really have those questions I think he's going to be a phenomenal tackle at the next level and then for me my number three guy is Elijah Vera Tucker another thing another guy who is getting knocked for his shorter arms I don't see that as much of a concern I know the Chargers want the the long big athletes but at the end of the day can this guy go out there and protect your quarterback I feel very confident uh, and comfortable putting Elijah Vera Tucker out there at left tackle and, and expecting him to go out there and succeed. My number four is Christian Derisaw. This is the size, uh, the ideal size and length type of guy who you know has that on and off switch with the nastiness. And if he puts it on, he's a road grader. I mean, just like uh, Jordan Reed said a couple of days ago on the show, if we can get a coach to unlock that and just turn that nastiness on all the time, that's going to be a really, really good football player at the next level. And so that means my number five guy is Tevin Jenkins. I love this guy's attitude. He, I mean, he might turn into a guard at the next level just because he has that physical nature. He's just the nastiest offensive lineman in this draft class. I have, feel very comfortable saying that. But, I mean, top five guys for me are those guys. I think all of them will come in and be great players in the NFL. Yeah, I mean, I think it's between him and Landon Dickerson for me as far as the nastiest guys in this draft class because Landon Dickerson's pretty nasty too. But you love the attitude there. So my number one tackle in this class is Rashawn Slater. No, I'm just kidding. I went back to double check though. I went back and I'm like, all right, you know, Daniel Jeremiah has him higher than Panay Sewell. So let's look. But Panay Sewell, especially, you know, ragdolling guys at the age of 19 and what his potential is, where his ceiling is and where he is already at right now. I think he's the clear-cut number one offensive tackle. Rashawn Slater, you know, maybe one of the most technically refined guys, has tape against some of the best pass rushers in the Big Ten and also against Chase Young, so that also helps a lot. I have Elijah Vera Tucker in there, too. I think there's one game against Oregon at left tackle where he gets beat by Kevon Thibodeau, which is like, okay, that guy's kind of just a freak of nature, and I didn't even think it was a bad game from him. I'm not as concerned, like you said, about his arm length and things like that. I think he could be a good left tackle, not just a you know serviceable left tackle at the next level. I think that's how good that guy's tape is. So technically refined. 
has the physicality that you want. Does you know has the high IQ, the awareness, and the versatility too, right? I mean, you you feel very comfortable that he can play tackle, but you also know that he can play guard, and he showed that at the college level. And if you, yeah, if you you know go out there and he doesn't work out, it's not like DJ Fluker, right? I mean, because he tried at tackle and then went to guard. It's not the same at all. This guy, you know, has the floor of a borderline Pro Bowl guard and has the ceiling of being a Pro Bowl tackle. So that's pretty high praise. That's how highly I you know thought of him, but. Tevin Jenkins and Christian Darisaw was really tough for me, but I think what it comes down to is just both guys can be physical. Both guys can be nasty and physically overwhelming, but with Christian Darisaw, I mean, there's just so many times where he makes it look easy, right? Like it's just nonchalant greatness, and I think that that's something he might get knocked for at times because he's not always looking for the next guy to throw onto the ground or anything like that, but I think that just the physical style and just knowing what the Chargers think of length and things like that. I mean, Christian Darisaw, I think, has the higher upside of the two guys, even though I really like what I saw from Tevin Jenkins. But, David, obviously that has Elijah Vera Tucker in it, and we both feel very confident in that. That's who we picked in the Ultimate NFL Mock Draft, which you can find on the Odyssey app. But either way, I mean, we were even taking flack for that on Twitter. We've always stood by that. I mean, if you listen to the show, you know how we feel about Elijah Vera Tucker. But if we were taking him out of the equation only because we think the Chargers might take him out of the equation. Who would be that sixth guy, or in this case, the fifth guy that would have made your list if you didn't put Elijah Vera Tucker in there? Yeah, so if Elijah Vera Tucker is not uh, part of this list, then I think you just uh, move everybody up one slot, and then in that fifth slot, you're going to pencil in Sam Cosme out of Texas. Just love the physical attributes, how how athletic he is. And, you know, I think if he... He can put a little muscle on his frame, but I think he you can feel very comfortable with him going out there and being a serviceable left tackle right away and with some coaching and a little bit of weight training turning into a very good left tackle. Yeah, I mean, I definitely can see the want for more strength. I mean, for me, it's just I mean, it's just too inconsistent, like the inconsistency. Like he's a guy that has missed blocks. He's a guy that gets beat, but he also has some very overwhelming flashes as well because of that physically dominating stature you know and we know the chargers want like a physically dominating kind of player or at least a player that has the physical traits you would see in a prototypical tackle for me i'm going to surprise people here i'm going to say for my sixth ranked tackle if i have elijah vera tucker so now this is the fifth ranked if we get rid of him i'm going to go dylan radins and i know i'm higher on him than a lot of people i obviously saw him at the senior bowl i think technically speaking he's much further along than sam cosme is like i think that even though he's a guy that really needs some, you know, functional strength, he's a guy that doesn't blow people out of the water or probably won't be able to do that at the next level. But as far as his technique, his footwork, how clean he is in pass sets, his demeanor in the running game, like being overall the best lineman at the senior bowl week and just absolutely dominating guys throughout that week, winning offensive MVP, I'm higher on him. And I think as far as year one starting ability, I'd rather start him over Sam Cosme just because I think Cosme needs more work, but also has the physical profile to have that higher ceiling. So for me in this scenario, my fifth ranked offensive tackle without Elijah Vera Tucker is Dylan Radins, the tackle from North Dakota State. So I can get down with that too. Uh, honestly, I, I like Dylan Radins as well, and I like the fact that he be- 
progressed from the first day at the Senior Bowl to the last day. I mean, I think that's one thing the coaches were talking about. If he's that kind of a sponge where he can soak up that information and really apply it that quickly, that's a guy who I can feel confident progressing and showing development at the NFL level. One of the other thing is, too, is obviously going into it, the biggest knock on him was only going to be the level of competition, right? So you actually got to see him going up against some of that competition. No, he didn't go up against, you know, the Jalen Phillips or the Aziz Ajlaris of the world or the Quiddy Pays even. But he went up against some pretty good edge rushers, a bunch of edge rushers that are going to get drafted in this draft class. And all he did was not only, you know, work out as far as that went, he dominated in a lot of sense. So Dylan Radins is a guy I'm super high on. He's my fifth ranked tackle as we're doing this. But we do have one more segment to get into because it's time to talk cornerbacks because that's the other biggest need for the Chargers. They need to bring in a corner. They have a starting corner position on the outside that needs to be filled. So we're going to get into our top five corners and also guys that we would look for the Chargers to take outside of those top five coming up right after this. But first, I need to tell you guys, about the best tasting protein bar on the planet, and I'm talking about Built Bars. Right now, guys, they just brought out the Coconut Brownie Chunk, which is one of my favorite flavors, one that you guys should definitely try out. But that's one of the things I absolutely love about Built Bar, because first of all, if it doesn't taste good, no matter how good it is for you, I'm not going to eat it. I'll get tired of it. And if you only have three flavors, like oats, peanut butter, and chocolate chip, I'm not going to be able to get down with that either. I need some variety when I keep eating these. So for Built Bar, you're always going to have that because they have a ton of flavors to choose from. Banana bread, toffee almond, peanut butter, brownie, and all of them are 100% covered in chocolate and soft and easy to chew. The best thing about them is they taste great and they're also healthy for you. All the bars are low calorie, low sugar, high protein, and high fiber. So whatever kind of diet you're on, whether it's a keto diet, even if you're doing Weight Watchers, it's great for both of those diets. And Right now, we can even save you guys some money because if you go to BuiltBar.com, you can use the promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off your next order. That's promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. All right, guys. Well, it's Top 5 Friday, and now we have to get into our Top 5 Corners in the 2021 NFL Draft Class. And I hope you guys can hear our excitement because we're just really excited to do this. I think it's really fun, and I'm really excited to be able to Break down five corners, especially when that's such a big need for the Chargers. But first, I need to tell you guys, if you don't already, make sure that you're going to subscribe on the Odyssey app to the Ultimate Mock Draft 2021. You can find it wherever you get your podcast from, but it is brought to you by the new Odyssey app. And what you're going to get is analysis from guys like Michael Irvin and Brian Baldinger happening right now, breaking down all of the picks in the first round and getting expert analysis, not only from guys like that, but also from all of the local experts around the Locked On Podcast Network too. So that's the Odyssey app, A-U-D-A-C-Y. Make sure you guys check it out and subscribe to the Ultimate Locked On Mock Draft 2021 today. All right, well, let's get into these corners now. And I think that we're going to have a very similar top five. And that's why I want to add, you know, guys that don't make our top five that we're still very, very interested in, right? So David, let's get into your top five too, and we'll see if we have them in the same order. Yeah, and I think we probably will not have them in the same order, and I I think that's what's going to make this a little bit more interesting. I think we'll be pretty similar at the top, but I think towards the end it's going to differ a little bit. But the number one guy for me is J.C. Horn. I love the just fast, physical, aggressive, a good tackler, a guy who's got swagger. I mean, a true shutdown corner. I just love everything about J.C. Horn. Uh, He's my number one guy. 
number two, and not too far from, not too far behind is Patrick Sertan the second. Very technically a sound. This is a guy who's not afraid to tackle in the run game. He understands routes. He has good ball skills. He just seems to be around the football. I mean, you can tell he's a second generation type of uh, NFL player with the bloodline with his dad being in the league. He just plays with that level of confidence. My number three guy is Caleb Farley. I know that there's injury concerns with the ACL and the back injuries, but he has the ideal size and strength. He's very physical. He's a sticky defender. He's going to follow your guy, and he has phenomenal ball skills. He is a guy who's going to get his hands on football. He's going to change games for you. So my number four guy is Asante Samuel Jr., and I love Asante Samuel Jr. If you listen to this podcast, you would know that. He's an excellent man-to-man cover corner. He's feisty. Again, another guy with that NFL bloodline. And I say he is one of the best tackling corners in this class. And number five is Greg Newsom. And I have Greg Newsom number five, not because of his pass, of his, his ability against the pass, because I think he is a phenomenal cover corner. He's excellent in press, in man, and off. He's very intelligent. He's able to recognize routes, which I love. But he uh, absolutely has no interest in tackling whatsoever. He does not want to tackle. He will hover around the play, but you never see him stick his nose in there in the run game. It's just not something that he's very interested or does very well. So for that reason, that's why Greg Newsom is my number five corner on this list. Yeah, I can definitely see that. I mean... At the same time, there's that's a lot of, you know, corners problems. Even JC Horn, I don't think is up in, you know, running backs faces as much as we would like him to be, right? Finishing off plays and stuff like that. That's not really a JC Horn thing either, right? He hovers around plays from time to time as well, which is why my number one cornerback in this draft class is Patrick Sertan the second. This is a thing that I mean a lot of people would argue, I think a lot of people have him rated as their number one corner. And part of this is also just me wanting to be different than you to some extent, because I think I could go either way, and I think I could make the argument for either guy. But I do think that the smoother transition into the NFL, which the Chargers probably need their corner, whoever it is to go start for them right away, is from Patrick Sertan II, because he might not have the upside potentially that J.C. Horn has as a guy that's just going to shut receivers down at the line of scrimmage. He's going to demoralize guys and just take them out of games. He has everything. I mean, he tackles, he covers well, he mirrors receivers, he doesn't get too grabby, and I think that's the one thing that separates it is I do have a pretty big fear for J.C. Horn that he is going to get a ton of you know flags early on in his career. That's just what he does. He has his hands on receivers all the way through the route, right? And you're looking at it on tape and you're like, well, that's probably a flag. You know, he'd get away with some of it, but he is so, so physical throughout the route that I could see that leading to a lot of flags. So I'll go with Patrick Sertan the second as my number one ranked corner. Caleb Farley probably would have had a chance to be that before the injuries. I'll go JC Horn too, because I still love him. He still could have easily made the argument that he's the number one guy. Three, I'll also go Caleb Farley because I think that, you know, he is another guy and probably one of the only guys that has a chance, you know, if the injuries don't come back to buy him to be the number one corner in this draft class. I mean, three guys that really all have a shot. I think it's Farley, it's Horn, and it's Sertan the second. Obviously, with Farley, though, and the Chargers having their injury history, it's just too much to ask. But four, I'll go Greg Newsom because, yeah, I mean, he has the ability to tackle. I mean, I've seen him tackle. It's not something he loves to do, which is obviously something you really like out of a corner. But at the same time, everything else as far as coverage ability he has. Like, I love his instincts. 
I think he can definitely play man coverage. I think he'd be great in zone coverages too, just breaking on footballs in front of him. And I just like him slightly a bit more because I do think overall he's a better coverage man than Asante Samuel Jr., but he comes in at number five for me easily. I mean, a guy who loves to tackle. Jordan Reed said he's the best tackling corner in this class. There's still some whiffs on his resume, and obviously he's a slighter guy, which also pushes him down a little bit. But you love the want to in his tackling, right? That's that's what you like. I mean, the tenacity is there. He wants to go up and hit people. That I absolutely love. So even us having Asante Samuel Jr. as our fifth overall corner, that's, I mean, the second round corners are all over the place as far as where analysts think that they're going to go and how highly they have them ranked. But David, there's obviously a lot of players that we didn't get to get to here, right? I mean, this is only five cornerbacks that we get to talk about, even though, you know, the Chargers more than likely could end up spending a pick on them later on when these guys could not be available. So, Who's one guy that didn't make your top five, but you'd still be very interested in the Chargers taking a look at? Yeah, I mean, one guy that didn't make my top five, but was very, very close was Ifatu Melifongwu. And it's just because I love his size. He's a, a just giant guy, six foot three, 213 pounds on the outside. I mean, that, that would be two corners with some real size and real length and some decent speed on the outside with Michael Davis and Nefetu Melifonwu and a guy who's a, a pretty solid tackler as well. So, I mean, he's just outside of my list, but a guy I would be really comfortable with in the second round. Yeah, if you Melifonwu, I like a lot too. Definitely has the physical skill set for it. There's some other guys I like where he's probably going to go around better, but for my guys, I'll give you two. I mean, one is going to be one of my draft crushes all along, and that's Benjamin St. Juiced from Minnesota, a guy who's really slept on, super long, great instincts, can make plays on the football, has some issues, you know, down the field, getting his head around at times. He has had some penalties too, but a guy especially for where the value is, which could be third or fourth round, I like a lot. And I like Paul Sinadibo too because he's another guy that just – I like – guys who make plays on the football i like guys that get their hands in on balls and i think this guy he'd be a much higher pick if he didn't have the uncertainty of a very bad game in the 2019 season against ucf and gabe davis and also opting out of the 2020 season all those things are pushing him down surely but i really like him as well those are two guys that aren't in my top five but i would think the chargers would definitely be interested later on in the draft so that's going to do it for our top five friday our five offensive tackles we like the most, our top five corners in the upcoming draft. That was a lot of fun. If we have time next week, we'll definitely do another position, probably safety, maybe edge rusher, but it's going to have to wait because on Monday, we're going to be starting our final mock draft of the year. This is going to be Mock Draft Monday 11.0, where we're going to get into our full seven-round mock draft, nine picks to get into. We're going to go, and now that we have all of the information that we need, and go through a full seven-round mock draft that'll probably take two shows, or at least parts of two shows. So make sure you guys check back in with us for our final mock draft of the season, 11.0, because we're going to have a lot of guys to talk about there, and that's going to be a lot of fun. And I'm just super stoked for the draft next week. It's going to be so much fun, so exciting, so much to talk about. But that is going to do it for today's show. We'll be back with you guys next week. But until then... Make sure to go follow the Ultimate 2021 NFL Mock Draft on the Odyssey app. And also make sure to follow us on all social media. You can find us on Twitter at LockdownLAC. You can like the Facebook page at Chargers and like our Instagram page or give us a follow, I should say, 
at Locked On Chargers as well. You can also find this show wherever you get your podcasts from, whether it's Apple Podcasts or the Odyssey app or Spotify or Google Podcasts. That's the fastest and easiest way to get the show and make sure you rate and review if you like it. We have some voicemails, but it's going to be hard to get into voicemails with everything we have going on right now. But if you want to get your voicemail on the show, the number is 323-524-7924. And we try to get every Chargers voicemail played on the show. But we'll be back with you guys on Monday with Mock Draft Monday 11.0. Getting into our final seven-round Mock Draft, our official Locked On Chargers Mock Draft. Because that's going to be a lot of fun. But until then, take it easy and go Bolts.